is Ronaldo. Oh, my goodness. You don't save those. Out of this world. Messi. 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 From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. Oh my goodness, was that stressful. Hi everybody, this is FUVFC, WFUV Sports Soccer Podcast. My name is Dylan Balsamo, joined by my friend Danny Perry. Our friend Keenan Troy is going to join us in just a second. But first, Danny, I, I want to get to you first. We are recording this uh, approximately at uh, quarter after 10 on Friday afternoon, United States Eastern Standard Time. Down in Tokyo, the United States women have just finished an emphatic opening knockout round game victory 2-2 was the score after regulation they end up winning it in penalties they will face Canada in the next round down in Tokyo Danny I would imagine this has been a stressful morning for you yeah it's it, it it's 10 a.m here I feel like it's 10 p.m because my emotions were all over the place in this game and then you bring PKs into it it's a whole different type of stress I am very happy but I I don't want to feel scared just yet going forward. I want to soak this in. I want to talk about what just happened. What did we just see? I have the chills still. This, you know, going into PKs is something that gives, whether it's a fan or a sportscaster, it just gives you this this anxiety and this rush that you can't quite describe. And and being a player myself, it's just, it it was great to watch. It was great to see them come away with the win, more importantly. This has not been a tournament without stress of any kind for the United States women's national team. Of course, the heavy favorites coming into it, as you might imagine, they have been in most every tournament they've played over the last really 10 years at this point, just with how strong the program has been in comparison to other nations. But, you know, they've had their fair share of problems. Of course, they dropped their first match three to one, but they have recovered quite nicely from that point, a draw in their last match coming into this one. And, you know, coming out of the first half, they looked strong enough to really it seemed push through this didn't they when I was watching something that caught my eye because I was very nervous you know watching their their last game it was let's play for the tie we're safe for the tie it was it was quite unlike the United States you know hope so only a few years ago made fun of Sweden for playing like that that's what I saw lack of urgency but then you get to this game I love this starting lineup Williams being put in there and bringing that speed it was just a different look it's the same tactical approach but just different players in different positions and I saw the identity of the United States women's team that I've been trying to find and and we were all searching for but it wasn't a steady identity that they showed us it was from I'd say maybe the 18th minute to the late 30s is where we saw this resilience this fast attacking power you know the goals it it was nice to see and that shows that it's there we just need to channel that so it lasts longer. 
And even heading into overtime, it was scary for a while. But at the end, you also saw that high press come alive again. And it was nice to see that team that you can still hope on if there's a minute left in the game, if there's if there's seconds ticking on the clock, you can still believe in this United States team like we've always done. It was during that opening period of time, 18th to the 30-ish uh, mm-hmm. minute that you had alluded to that the U.S. got both of their goals during the opening 90 and during the opening 120 at that point, too. A Lynn U.S. goal in the 28th minute, Lynn, Lynn Williams in the 31st minute. The goals ended up only being about four minutes separated from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, talk about the remainder of the game. Something did seem like tangibly different. I can't figure out what it was, though. What do you think it was? I would say that our midfield did a lot better than they were doing in previous games. They were actually coming back more often. They were they were marking better. They were a little tighter. And we held the ball. We were not holding the ball in these previous games. Possession was not a thought for the United States. Finally, we come back to our identity. We realized we possess the ball more than anyone. Why not go back to who we are? And, and that's like what clicked, you know, for them. And that's what I saw. Mewis getting that diving header to equalize it. That was just a big moment for her. She really has been so quiet in this tournament. And Tobin Heath, another thing. Tobin Heath, I think, had her best 45 minutes that we've seen. Ertz is finally coming alive after, you know, the injury and her stepping foot onto the field again. I think she played such an impact today. I will say something I don't like, though. And I said this from game one, Crystal Dunn, and and it seems like it might be part of the coach's strategy because I don't think a player would do this, but it's almost like there's a little lack of trust to Becky Sauerbrunn because Crystal Dunn is constantly inside. There is always an outside player open. So if that midfielder is not back to help Crystal, you're going to see so many balls being played in from that side because she's always central and trying to catch up then to that flank player. That is something I'd like to see change because that is what other teams see and they will try to capitalize on, just like the Netherlands did today. We were lucky. And let me also say, we have scored a lot of goals in this tournament. I know it doesn't look like that, but think of this. We have eight or nine offsides goals, and they didn't need to be offsides for those goals. We have everything we need as a team. We need to be cleaner. We need to be more precise. We need to continue to hold the ball. We just need to go back to the fundamentals, even defensively. Why are we playing with it in our own defensive half? Why are we passing it in the middle? Rapino did this late in the game where it was this little pass crossing into the box and the Netherlands get it. It's a rule. It's a basic common knowledge of soccer. You learn don't pass it in your own defensive end in the middle of the field. Keenan, am I wrong there? Like, you know, it's, it's you know, clear the ball sometimes. <laughs> A wise coach once told me, live to fight another day. And there's always a, you know, saying you learn in anyway. So when in doubt, clear it out. So, yeah, when I saw that square ball in the in her own defensive half, literally puff out your cheeks moment because you didn't know, you know, if that's going to be the moment that sends the women's national team out of the Olympics, it's going to be a real sour note to go out on shooting yourself in the own foot. No, and that's my point. And this is not the first time they've done that. It's it's almost like a cockiness that they have. We can play with it wherever we want. For a team that has not been good at possession this whole tournament, don't try to possess the ball in your defensive half. When in doubt, as you said, clear it out. <laughs> I was told that by great soccer coaches. I was also told that by many not great soccer coaches at the recreational level. It's 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 just something people know at this point. <laughs> precisely, precisely. 
I, I played many games in that practice of bumblebee soccer, as it was typically called. Yeah. But in terms of statistics here, guys, you know, this game was pretty evenly matched. Possession was just about 50-50, probably down to a smaller uh, decimal point. But 50-50 for our own sake here. I don't want to get into the crazy statistics. <laughs> uh, in terms of shots on goal, the U.S. had 16, uh, 16 shots, four on goal, 21 shots, seven on goal for the Netherlands. U.S. 14 fouls, Netherlands uh, 11. Uh, the U.S. had two yellow cards in this game as well. So, you know, pretty game, and we talk about cleanliness and how that might be an issue then going forward. But let's talk about penalty shootout here where the United States was able to put things forward. And, and Danny, you have something to say before we keep going? I do want to say I, I was a listener hater. And I, I still not, I'm not quite confident on the choice, but we only got two penalties because of the penalties you saved during the game. And that was such a huge moment. And I remember seeing the Netherlands player up to take the kick and, and they were reviewing the play. So she had a lot of time to think about it, but she was, I saw her chest and it was, she was just breathing so heavily that I just said to myself, she's not going to take a good kick here. And there she was focused. It wasn't a good PK. It wasn't directly to the corner, but Nair guesses the right way, saves that, saves the United States. And for a goalie that, if you look at the statistics from the tournament, she probably doesn't look too well right now, but that's not on her. And in penalties, I think she showed us why she's here, why Vladko picked her, and how great she can be. She, you know, to save two, come on now. You know, and three in the whole game, great performance by Lissonaire. So as we talk about this penalty shootout here, the uh, U.S. only needed four rounds to get the job done, ended up winning four to two in, in the penalties. Made all four of their shots in that point. Rose Lavelle, Alex Morgan, Christian Press, and Megan Rapino put in the final goal to seal the deal things here offensively-wise, that penalty shootout for the United States. But really at this point, I'd love to know emotionally where you were both at during that PK shootout because I know I was, I was not in a good place at this point. This is a very stressful day. Yeah, I'm sure D- Danny's reaction is going to be a lot more loaded than mine, but um, <laughs> just on a pure passion basis. Not that I'm not passionate about the women's national team, but, you know, with Danny. <laughs> but um, I think going into the penalty shootout, I mean, granted, Nair made some good saves, those two, especially that first one, full extension. That's a really good textbook save for any goalkeeper. And I think that really set the uh, precedent for the women just – do our jobs and we'll get out of this. And that it was going to be the Dutch who had to make something special happen. But I think going into the penalties and like we've seen that second half of stoppage time, two goals chalked off because offsides and hats off to that assistant referee on that near side. Cause that one she got on press where she checks her run and it's quite literally just her right foot offside to have that. And I know we have VAR in case she was wrong to make that call in such a big match and get it absolutely perfect hats off to that assistant. Cause as we've seen, and we talked about a while ago, oftentimes referees can decide a match and that's no fun for anyone, but going into penalties and especially at the end of that stoppage time, you saw all the momentum with the United States. And sometimes in my opinion, that can hurt a team going into penalties where you've been knocking at the door for so long and extra time. And you think, you know, maybe if we have five more minutes of outfield play, we'll take a winner and we'll go home and penalties won't be necessary. And I think with that, like going in, I kind of thought like the United States needs to remain calm because here you are thinking we probably, you know, if it wasn't for like a half foot off sides, we'd be three, two up and the game would be over. So I thought that maybe, you know, going in, they'd be a little shaky, but as soon as Nair saves that first one, at least for me, it was just an exhale because then you realize, okay, the people that the United States just needs to score all the time. And 
I think you'd be hard pressed to find five better women in the world to take a penalty than the ones that are on the U S women's national team roster. Mm -hmm. So, you know, going into penalties, I was a little shaky. That first save obviously gets a lot of nerves out of your system. I'll turn it over to you, Danny, because I'm sure, you know, my emotional roller coaster was like the one you see at the fair. That's for like the five-year-olds that just goes up and around. Meanwhile, you're doing six flags in your head. It wasn't just in my head. I was absolutely jumping up and down. I live in a condo. God bless my downstairs neighbor. Alyssa Nair didn't just leave that first PK on, you know, any, any player. It's Netherlands' best goal scorer and top goal scorer in the tournament. She saved that and that definitely gave them momentum. But as somebody that closely does follow this team, saying how I'm not pleased with how they've been playing. I said to myself, well, if maybe they remember how to do one thing, it's just put the ball in the corner. So there was just a little bit of confidence in me that saying like, you know, be clutch in, in this moment that they were, it was still a roller coaster. It definitely gave the United States comfort, as you said, saving that first PK. And then there was just some sort of calmness about each U S kicker that, that was up to the line. And you know, when Morgan went up, I was screaming at the TV that I don't like you because you have not performed well. But if you can make me like you a little bit, just put it in the back. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I was talking. I think they were here listening to me. But but in, re, in, in all reality here, it's it's crazy to think that, you know, the United States were even in this situation. Again, so many offsides. Like you said, Keenan, I, I think they played their best game. I don't understand why we still cannot capitalize within the game. But there is something to say that every team in Group G, which was the United States group, they're on to the semifinals. So maybe we just versed the best of the best in the group stages. You know, that's, that's something to talk about there. Do I think that the United States is going to go on and beat Sweden? Probably not, to be honest. But right now, looking at this moment, Alyssa Nair, if I'm a player, like a field player on the United States team, I'm writing her a personal letter because you let her down in every 90-minute game. She came up for you big here. Hat off to her. She, she is the difference maker in this game. Woman of the match. Let's talk about those upcoming semifinals. The United States will be playing Canada, I believe, if I looked at the bracket correctly, coming into their next uh, match, whichever day that was. I'm going to figure that's probably Monday or Tuesday or something along mm -hmm. those lines. Uh, so I'll start with you here, Danny. You were kind of allude, alluding to it earlier, but, you know, not even just for this game upcoming against Canada. Two remaining games, if they win, uh, against the Canadians. What are your expectations for the remainder of this tournament? You seem a little trepidatious of if they're going to be able to pull out the gold here. It's going to be versing Canada, who also just came off a dramatic penalty kick win against Brazil. You have a Canada team that will absolutely cross the ball in and take advantage of the flank on Crystal Dunn if she's going to be playing center like that. And then they have, I believe she just passed the women's record for goal scoring and she uses her head. She's like the Abby Wambach of, of Canada. And that's scary, you know, watching how the U.S. has been playing and then knowing Canada's weapon, there's a huge mismatch there. We don't have the size. So I'm nervous for this game upcoming. I want to enjoy what just happened, but you can't. The turnaround is so quick. The U.S. still needs to collect themselves. They need to remember the identity, the urgency, the possession that they found in this game, and they need to stay disciplined. I'm going to possibly pull my hair out if they score another goal and it's offsides because none of those goals really, do they need to be offsides? Like As in, 
Was that advantage the difference of making that goal go in? No, if they just stayed on sides, I believe that they still would have scored those goals. So they need to be disciplined going into this match against Canada. Seize your opportunity. Maybe this win is the greatest thing for them because now they have something to actually celebrate and be proud of and know that they can do this. Nair might have just built a lot of confidence. I would if I was her. I see this game. It, it can go both ways. I'm going to pick the United States if they play as they did today. I know that's kind of like a contingency there, but yeah. if they play like they did against Sweden, absolutely not. They're not winning. Understood. So we will hold off on, on the women for now. There'll be much more to talk about in the next week. We might have to do two or three episodes a week for the next like week <laughs> just to get in everything, not only with the women, but also with the men. And, and Keno, I, I, want, I want to talk to you about um, uh, the Gold Cup to this point for the United States. You know, the U.S. pulled out a semifinal victory just last night as we talk here uh, on Friday morning uh, against Qatar, uh, a nation they hope to get to know a little bit better in the next couple of years if they do get the opportunity later. We can talk about that in future episodes. But, you know, Keenan, for they ended up scoring in the 86th minute to win this game. But for the most part, as they have been for most of this tournament, really unimpressive. Asleep at the wheel would be the uh, term I use. Yeah. So you play Qatar, which, again, I think we talked about it last time. On paper, in Gold Cup especially, you normally favor the United States unless you're playing like Mexico or maybe Costa Rica of Paz and now maybe up and coming Canada, which, I mean, granted, is four countries in the tournament, but for the, you also have your you know Martinique sprinkled in there. And so when you line up against Qatar, which is only playing in this tournament because they're hosting a World Cup and, you know, they, the, they don't play in the Asian, like, uh, qualifying regional tournament in the Pacific. And for some reason, I don't know why they're not playing in the, whatever they play in the middle East. I don't, maybe yeah. it's just for, uh, you know, pure competition base, but whatever they're in the gold cup. And so it's the host nation of the next world cup. They're going to be in the world cup um, through an automatic bid because they're hosting. So naturally when you line up against Qatar, like going into this game after a shaky win in the, quarterfinals I was kind of more just sitting back like okay here we go you need to ride momentum into the final because you're probably going to play Mexico or Canada two nations that will you know force you to play your best 90 minutes and so they line up and again like the first half oh my god how how dreadful do you want to play I mean Matt Turner you know maybe you're not the first team goalie but you sure as heck are playing like it two incredible saves early in the first half and I'm just sitting there watching like what, where is this team gone? What, where is like the energy? Why aren't we like, granted, you could say like, why aren't we doing all this? Why aren't we doing all that? And I think it just boils down to a mindset of like, we talk about sometimes being complacent from the women's national team. They have, I mean, granted you shouldn't be, but if you have a right to be complacent or a right to be like a little bit groggy, it's sure as heck can come from the women and not the men, the women win, the men don't. So when you line up against Qatar, and they're beating you in possession in the first half. They have quality chances that your goalkeeper has to bail you out on. It's like, it's mind boggling at the very least. So, you know, you see Jossie Zardes get introduced in the second half, late into the second half, and he scores in the 86th minute to put the United States up one nil. And, you know, there's sometimes, especially cause I'm a baseball fan and I'm a big believer in, I'm a White Sox fan too. So, if you know anything about baseball, they hire Tony La Russa, whose big thing is win or die trying. And mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in baseball of 
winning however you need to. If you need to throw a position player on the mound, that's fine. If you need to make four defensive substitutions empty your bench, that's fine as long as you win. But when you're playing in a Gold Cup against a team like Qatar in a semifinal match, yes, the win is important because you get a chance to win a cup. That's number one. But also, like, again, I always, especially last episode, I talked about setting the precedent for, you know, the national team moving forward in this Gold Cup, which is, again, why I was so displeased with the roster selection. Why is this the precedent we want to set forward that, hey, we can barely squeak out a win, require late heroics, require great goalkeeping, require, you know, suspect defending, but defending nonetheless in order to beat a team that's not even within the top 30 in the world. It's just mind-boggling to me. So now we play Mexico after they beat Canada in a great match. I think that's going to be the match of the tournament unless, you know, the final is something special. But nothing going to go to extra time if Hector Herrera didn't clutch up in the 90th plus and send them through. So got a big match against Mexico on Sunday night. Maybe we'll do a little Monday morning recap, see if I'm still alive, see if this team (laughs) finally pushes me over the edge. But Again, you know, Greg Berhalter, like tactically, man, you line up against a weaker Qatar side. I don't know why, you know, you're trying to, especially with this roster, trying to build so much possession, trying to do so much, you know, little tiki-taka stuff that ends up shooting ourselves in the foot. Like, just go at them and play the way that you want these young guys to play because clearly they need the experience. And, yeah, you want them to get experience in high-pressure situations, that's the final, man. It's not a semifinal game against Qatar in which, you know, you look asleep for the first half. So much like Danny's reaction with last week's results for the U.S. women's national team, just overall frustration. And I know that, you know, you might be saying you can't be like that upset with a win and a chance to win a Gold Cup final. Again, I emphasize it's a Gold Cup final. I know that you can only play the schedule that's in front of you, but if the schedule in your front of you is significantly weaker, you should be playing to the level at which you're expected to play. And I think that's a big fault of the United States, especially in this tournament is playing down to the competition that's present. I could say that. I don't think the U S men actually won that game. I think Qatar lost that game. If that makes sense. It's there were so many opportunities that Qatar shot themselves in the foot rather than, you know, Oh, they just didn't play well in the United States beat them with one goal. No, it was, it was just sloppy play, but you know, the head coach needs to understand, like you said, the ticky tack thing, you cannot make players who aren't conformed to playing a certain way. Always do that. You need to play to the advantage of your players. I see a soccer team all the time that it might not be pretty soccer that they play, but they win games because they're, they're playing to what they're good at. They're not trying to play some small passing game. It might look like kick and run, but guess what? They just became champions. They're in a, of a semi-pro league. So my point is the, the, the coaching to stop, you know, changing the whole philosophy in a short period of time and win with the strengths of the players that he has. And maybe Keenan's been right about this head coach. Maybe he is trying to experiment a little bit too much, but this is in exact relation to what I tried to describe with the U.S. women who versus Mexico and we're only winning for nothing. I was not happy. And I, I think that everybody who watches it and is a soccer enthusiast should not be happy. Just as the U.S. men versus Qatar only winning one nothing or really losing because Qatar shot themselves in the foot. You can't be happy with that. And I don't blame Keenan for, the, for those feelings. So we'll see. Gold Cup final.
Certainly a disappointment type thing. And when you talk about uh, Qatar losing that game for themselves, you can specifically look at the shots on goal. They, you know, they, they had 18 shots in total, only two on goals. That's really what it is. But the real headline of that is that the United States allowed six, 18 shots in total. They only took six themselves, four of them on goal, but nevertheless. Uh, and, you know, what else, what else are you going to expect from a team like Qatar that's really only building their programmer? Or, or whatever you want to call it at this point, and trying to get in some reps before they host a World Cup. And they never would have been on the global stage in the first place mm-hmm. had it not been for the um, borderline controversial circumstances through which they received a, a bid to host the World Cup and ended up winning it. But we don't have to get into that, mostly because we don't have time for it today. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you look at this U.S. team, and, if, and as we've mentioned, they'll play Mexico on, on Sunday night for the Gold Cup final. And, you know, maybe they'll have a shot at, at this. But the, the main point is you look at a game like Qatar, uh, like this game with Qatar, you look at really any of their games throughout this tournament. And the real question is you, you, you look at the big picture for the U.S. outside of the Gold Cup in itself. Because, folks, World Cup qualification continues for the United States. Uh, specifically, they just announced yesterday it's going to start uh, up again on October 13th also of known on October 13th, my 22nd birthday, but that is not important right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You look at this U.S. team and the way they've performed in this Gold Cup, and you start thinking about World Cup qualifications, and and, and Keenan, like, uh, if, if they can't beat these teams now, what makes them think they're going to beat them when they need to? Right, so I think a lot of World Cup qualifying is going to be contingent on international break and for the most part you're going to get those guys from the major six european leagues that you're missing out so desperately for this gold cup who didn't make the roster whether it be through burl halters incompetence or you know realizing like hey they've got domestic league and they're not going to be able to get the full time off for that um but yeah i think so hypothetically win or lose the gold cup i think if i could go inside the men's national team manager's mind He's probably thinking, okay, there's some, you know, bright spots to this tournament player wise. And that's my biggest fear is that, you know, we're going to see similar rosters from the gold cup, you know, granted you'll have your desks, you'll have your McKinney's, you'll have your Pulisic's, your Adams, your Stefan's litter throughout there. I'm worried, especially that we saw with this gold cup lineup that he's going to continue giving players chances and not saying that they don't deserve them, but you can't, you know, try and, find a recipe when you miss the last world cup and you're fighting to get into one. So exactly what you're saying, Dylan, it's like right now you're playing for a gold cup, which I mean, it's a trophy. I don't think any, you know, anybody would be particularly heartbroken if you don't win the gold cup. But let me tell you this, if you roll out weak lineups when you're playing for a spot at the world cup, which is significantly higher than a gold cup. I mean, even people would say maybe more significant than, it's the, it's the prize of all international soccer is what I'm trying to get at. So a Euro, a Copa, it doesn't matter when you're trying to play for a chance to win a World Cup. And so if you roll out weak lineups like this, you take risks, you don't play your best 11, I would not be surprised if the United States is once again humiliated on the international stage. And if this happens, I mean, you thought 2018 missing was bad. If you miss two back-to-back, you've pretty much forfeited your right to be at any dinner table with amongst the not even the best international program the mediocre international product programs the switzerland's the austria's that's right now where the united states is and we have put ourselves in this false confidence that like hey well before last year's world cup or last world cup in russia we tied for we tied france or maybe we even beat france i think we beat france one nothing 
oh, well, you know, we can play at that level. Well, you roll out passive lineups in the Gold Cup. You don't know what Halter is going to do, which is another reason why I want him sacked. If this continues into World Cup qualifying, man, oh, man, it's going to be a tough, tough six months, eight months to get into that World Cup. So I think that, you know, granted many of the players playing for the Gold Cup, you may not expect to see on those lineups. So I think for them, their job is just to win the Gold Cup and then worry about qualifying when it comes if they get that call. But I think a lot of the pressure is going to fall on Greg Berhalter in these months before October of finding out who he likes and, you know, Hopefully who he likes is who I like. Otherwise there might be protests in Chicago outside the United States soccer federation's uh, headquarters. So just to sum things up, I want to give you both the chance uh, to just give me your predictions overall for both teams of what you think will happen this week. It could be, it could be <laughs> triumphant for one and disappointing for the other and vice versa. It could be both. It could be neither. Keenan, I'll start with you here. The U.S. will lose. I mean, shocker, me being Which a pessimist. One? Oh, the men's, the men's, the men's. Sorry, <laughs> oh, I want to say the women's. I, the answer is yes. <laughs> uh, but I think, I think on paper, that Mexican team is a lot stronger. I think that it's going to happen in typical men's nash. It's not. They're not going to get routed. I think they're going to lose maybe two one. Maybe go two nil down, score a goal and a single goal in like the sixty or seventh minute, just to keep us on the edge of our seat. And I think they're going to lose that gold cup final. And the reason I emphasize or personally think that, you know, it's going to be a closer game is just because I think that the United States always plays Mexico. Well, even when they are significantly outmatched or overmatch them, there's just so much blood hatred, if you want to call it that, but I mean, you're professionally played athletes. I don't think you hate one another too seriously. Um, but I think there's a lot of, you know, that's a, one of the more fierce rivalries in the sport. And I think that, even if they're severely outmatched on field, they'll just bend and won't break until they break. And then the United States will get one back. And of course, you know, Oh, we've performed strong against Mexico so that these guys, you know, that we use for the gold cup, they have a realistic shot of getting into the, getting into the world cup side or into the qualifying side. So yeah, I think they won't win against Mexico. And I mean, if I could have it my way, I'd prefer them to get their doors blown off, you know, I'll treat a Barry five and then everyone would be like, okay, Greg Berhalter can't coach. See ya, pal. Everyone on this roster, you're not cut out for top international play. See ya. But you know, it's going to, I think it will be close and you know, we'll go from there. I believe that the U S men will lose. I think that Keenan will get his way. The head coach is gone. Mexico lost what was it? When did they lose to the U.S.? What what game was it? Not too long ago, Ken? Oh, the Concacaf oh, Nations, Nations League. League final, which was, I mean, mm-hmm. well, that that okay. tournament in itself was just a silly little excuse for Concacaf to play. Right, right. It was, but I don't think teams forget that. And Mexico doesn't like losing to the U.S. That's where yeah. rivals towards each other. They're gonna, you know, that's remembered. That's not forgotten. I think, like Keenan said, they're better on paper. And for a team, the U.S. team, who has, it seems like, just different players every tournament, whether I agree at times or disagree, I don't think that they'll be as solid and that they will lose. I hope that they win, but I don't think that they will. And then going forward with the U.S. women's, they beat Canada. They found their stride here. But I will say this, with Sweden versus Australia, and even though the Matildas, they, they, they fought hard and they won to get to the semis to verse Sweden, Sweden is on another level right now. 
I would hope that Australia beats Sweden. Somehow I don't see it happening, but I see the U.S. versus Sweden in the final and the U.S. Maybe that's their best opportunity to be like, nah, we're the best in the world. Not you, Sweden. Get out of here. So we'll see. I can't make a prediction just yet. Let me let me get one game at a time. I'm going to still soak in this one here. <laughs> that's absolutely fair. I'll make my very quick little predictions. For yeah, I want to know. What's up, man? <laughs> yeah, no, so I think <laughs> – what's up, man? I, I wasn't ready for you to say that. But uh, so anyways – I think, uh, I think the U.S. women are going to pull out the gold here. I really do. Um, I just think, uh, they're, I think they're too good to, for the other shoe not to drop eventually. You know what I mean? So I think that will eventually happen. And I, I think that momentum will come in, uh, as you just mentioned, Danny, if we are the U.S. and, and we're going to push through. As the U.S. first in competition, you know? So maybe, exactly. maybe they're just getting, getting into it, which I don't think that they should have had to wait this long to get into anything. But thank you, you know? Oh, of course. As for the men, I actually think they might win this Gold Cup final. And I, the reason I'm saying that is because I think they're going to they're going to feel they're in a very good position for World Cup qualification and then just disappoint themselves. That's what I really think is going to happen, because that that is the as mo- the most USMNT thing happen, if you ask me. Uh, but Keenan, I know you got to go. So we're going to wrap things up here real quick. Any final thoughts here, guys? Don't bet against the United States women's team. Don't mock them beforehand. Bad move. It's a good call. Keenan? As you said, Dylan, so uh, World Cup qualifiers, I think their first match is September 2nd against El Salvador. So hypothetically, if you win, if they win the Gold Cup, quick turnaround, more or less a month off before they start qualifying for the World Cup. Say they win against uh, Mexico, Dylan, mm-hmm. I guarantee you that El Salvador game is going to be something that rhymes with a hit ho. And, um, you know, they're going to have to wake up and realize, oh, my God, if we lose again, this national team is finished. So, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, man. (laughs) I say we drop the U.S. men's soccer team. We focus everything on the U.S. women's and we just build them up. And then by doing so, then women's soccer will be built up internationally everywhere. Now, I know that might be a bias. No, I did want to say I I would like for us to continue to talk more about women's soccer, not even just at the international level, perhaps even more at the domestic level here in the United States if we get the opportunity on this podcast. So, um, and and that'll be an assignment for all three of us. That'll be very fun. Uh, So I I think we're going to wrap things up here real quick. Danny, do you have something to say or you're just throwing your arms around? This is a shout out to my semi-pro team. We're champions of the UPSL. And these are leagues that we do need to build up. We need to build up the semi-pro league so that the U.S. women's team has a better domestic professional league here. So kudos to the New York Magic. That's all I'll say. We don't say Pasquale. I'm going to wrap things up before things get even more out of hand and Keenan starts advertising products like we're on an infomercial or something like that because that's at the level we're at right now. But for Keenan Troy and Danny Perry, my name is Dylan Balsamo. This has been FUBFC soccer podcast at WFUB Sports. I'm not sure the next time we're going to see you. It, it might be next week, about a week from now. It could be before that, but we will decide that and then we'll get the podcast to you as soon as possible. For now, stay safe and be well. I believe that we can win.